I want to dethrone you, bro. I want to win the 50K this year. <laughs> I'm coming after you, bro. Oh, shit. I didn't realize, I didn't realize you're coming after me. Well, well, you can try. I think I'm pretty good. Um, we certainly need... No, you are. You definitely are the best. You won two years in a row. What's up, guys um, and everyone else, ladies, too? I'm here with Argentina's finest top Argentina poker player and world champion magic player and current world champion of poker, possibly 2023's greatest tournament player right here, Jose Barbero, otherwise known as Nacho. How are you then? How everybody's doing? I'm good, I'm good. Why is your nickname Nacho? Uh, it's, it's very simple actually, like um, if you if you are from South America and your name is Ignacio, and uh, you're called Nacho, because it's it's an Italian name, so Ignacio, Ignacio. So it, it was too long to say Ignacio, and so they they just abbreviated it to Nacho. So if you're born Ignacio, they call you Nacho by default. So Ignacio, it's Italian. Oh, okay. Well, I, I like Nacho. I mean, or or Ignacio. <laughs> Everybody's thinking something related to the food or something. It's just, it's just like, it comes with your name. So, uh, what was your childhood like in Argentina? I'm, I'm not sure if it's similar to the U.S. in any kind of way. or I don't know how it works. No, actually, my childhood was amazing. Um, but but I, I'm pretty sure in America it's kind of the same way. Like, uh, I, I was born in Buenos Aires, like the capital. But when I was um, one year and a half, I moved to small city, you know, like a hundred thousand inhabitants, but like 45 minutes away from the capital. Mm -hmm. So it was more like, you know, more relaxed because in the capital, you know, like in Buenos Aires, it's like so many people, like it's, it's crazy. You're like, you, your kids can't go out and play by themselves, you know, like it's very dangerous, you know, like their cars, like everything. Where I grew up, it was like, we were riding bikes, like we were like doing whatever we wanted. We were like, the whole day by ourselves. So basically, like every kid over there was like on their own, you know, like, so we were like kind of very wild, <laughs> very wild, like fighting with rocks and like whatever, like it was amazing. It was a, like a really, really good childhood playing soccer. Like it's nothing, nothing compared to the childhood in Buenos Aires. Like in Buenos Aires, like people, they stay more like playing video games are their apartments, their kids, you know, like, they don't go out that much. Hmm. My childhood was was really cool. Okay, so you're out and about and kind of going, maybe going on adventures and throwing rocks at each other. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we were pretty like, uh, yeah, we were not like very well behaved like as kids, like always in fights, always coming home with blood and stuff, like fighting okay. against other kids. <laughs> it was pretty like. Like like Indians, sure. <laughs> That's funny. So, but uh, well, apparently you uh, found magic. I don't know what what happened. Uh, seems like kind of in the opposite direction of like getting in fights and throwing rocks. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because like I mean, I never thought I was gonna play magic. Like I mean, it was like my friend like came up with the cards. Like one day, say, oh, this this game he he bought them in Buenos Aires. When I say, I lived in Buenos Aires, but I mean the capital, um, he said, okay, let's play this game. And he asked, and he showed me, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I, and I love it straight away. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so I studied, uh, and I didn't have any money, honestly. And machine cars were very expensive back then, you know, like even because they were in dollars, you know, like Argentina is always. Mm -hmm. Actually, we were living in dollars at that time, actually. Like it was. It was, imagine like that day over there, it was $1, one peso, and now it's 400 to one. That was like 20, 24 years ago. Oh. It was one to one. Like this president came up with the idea that like the, the dollar has to be like paired with the peso. So Argentina was like one of these, it was so expensive. It was more expensive than, than Paris. It was crazy. Really? So my friend introduced me this and I said, oh, this is cool. And I started like, I picked it up really cool. Like my family, they always been really good with like games. Um, 
they were like all they they really like poker and like they were like I would always see my my parents play you know like with my with my um, with my siblings like with like everybody they they would always be playing like card games so when I when I saw Magic I was like oh this is cool and I started buying cards and playing with my friends and I loved it. So it sounds like we went from throwing rocks to throwing spells. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever played? Uh, no, I've seen like some cards and not really understood them. I've never played. Uh, I understand there's some money to be won in them, and it seems like a lot of poker players have played that prior to playing poker. Um, there must be some kind of similarity, but I don't know. I don't know if there's much money in it. I don't know if it like. Uh, I played a lot of, you know what I did play? I played these games where you can build up characters and choose whether to be a mage or. Oh yeah, I like those, yeah. like role role playing games. Yeah, there's not. I didn't. I've never played those for money either. But I played some tough ones like Demon Souls and that kind of oh. stuff. Yeah, I was a gamer too. I used to play like uh, Counter Strike and like uh, I used to play like Age of Empires. Yeah, the thing with like what, what I try to explain to people about Magic the Gathering is like imagine like I was I started playing when I was seventeen, right? Magic and poker, you, all the all the situations. So at the end, they're like heads up, right? So basically, maybe a hand starts four way or whatever, but like the majority of the bots are one on one, right? Magic the Gathering is like you play all the time one on one. And the other guy has seven cards, between zero and seven cards in their hand. So you're trying to to know what are their holdings, so you can play accordingly. It's exactly the same as poker. The other guy has two cards, and you try to play accordingly to see what he has. So we had before like the transition, the transition to poker. It was so easy because we were so used to looking at the other guy on the face and yeah, seeing right. what the other guy has. Because oh. you have to figure out what the, the cards he has in hand. Oh, I didn't realize there was a game of like reading and, and all that. Of course, there's so much bluffing in Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Like huh. crazy. Like once, there's like a really com. There is like a sick play that one guy that was very famous, like the best Magic player ever. He was called Sean Finkel. He's he's a genius guy. Like he has like he manages like a a billion dollar fund. He's on, he's on like a hedge fund. He manages it, and this guy was he was so smart. And one and one time he was playing like a re, uh, on a pro tour or something. Uh, pro tour is like the highest competition, and he had seven lands in. He had like eight cards in hand, and seven seven of the cards were lands that they don't do anything, right? So he discarded the only good card, and the other guy just considered the game. Because he saw he, the other, he had like eight spell in hands, and he actually bluffed him, and the other guy was like, F this, when he was he had no way to win. There was so much bluffing, you know, like some some so many you can do like so many plays like that, like insane plays. So it's basically the same. He was bluffing, seeing what the other guy has. So we were like, I was playing like between eight and ten hours a day, Magic the Gathering. I was. Um, I was playing on the Pro Tour, so we were like all day with cards in hands, like all day, like shuffling cards, shuffling cards, like let's say like your your deck had like 60 cards, and if I pick up the deck and it had 59 cards that it had like one gram difference, I would realize that it was like no valid deck, you know, like with like one gram difference be between each side, like 61, because if you had, if you submitted the deck that it was 59 cards instead of 60, you would get, uh, you would lose the game. So I mean, just by shuffling, I would know if like the deck was like it was missing one card, and the cards were like one gram. Really, really. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, it's quite it's pretty wild. And I could tell if you had two cards more or two cards less. It's like just by grabbing it by the weight, because it was like all day shuffling. Whoa, okay. Ten hours a day shuffling and training against other guys. He was fun. Magic player. I I know uh, you traveled uh, with it. Um, I mean, I, I don't know where these Magic the Gathering um, tournaments are. I guess they're in secret locations, or at least that would be fitting. 
or <laughs> I mean, th there must be some money in this too, right? Like, yeah, there's money. Um, right now, yeah, it's like it used to be like forty thousand dollars when I used to play for. Oh. But imagine we are like twenty years old, and if you win a tournament for forty k, it was huge. I mean, that now it's like a hundred k for first, and the tournaments used to be a lot in Japan, mostly in America, and a lot in Europe. So by the age of 22, I already traveled the whole world oh, playing wow. Ashik. That was wow. insane. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. I, I was a little yeah, bit late, later than you. I started traveling when I was like um, about that age or 20, 20, no, 20. But I, it took me a while to get around the world, but mostly because of Black Friday kind of threw me off. I would have just been in the U.S. for a long time. But uh, did you also travel to to other parts of Asia and Australia and places like that too for Magic? Yeah, I play, yeah, we played the, the the Magic World Cup in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, um, I went two times to Australia there. I think, yeah, but the majority of the tournaments were like um, basically America. They had like the most tournaments, USA, and then maybe some tournaments in Mexico, Brazil. A lot in Europe, many, many, many in Europe, and then Japan. Japan was the second, the second biggest. So I, I traveled like five, six times to Japan just to play. We were going a lot, and it was good because you can do business too. You know, like buy cars, sell cars. It was fun. It was so much fun. We had no money. We would sleep like it was. It was an amazing experience. We would sleep like on the floor. Like I slept like anywhere. Like. <laughs> we would eat like we had no money at all. It was it was amazing. Well, it's kind of a, a bit romantic of an idea of a, a, a traveling bit romantic of an adventure to like kind of sleep wherever. Although I don't know if I'd uh, sign up for that. I mean, if I was young, maybe. But it still it sounds like quite an adventure. Yeah, it was compared to what what we were used to now, Dan. That you're like. You pretty much, I mean, I see you a lot that you do a lot of adventures that you go a lot to Africa and all those things. That is kind of cool. But you know, like more right now, you're more like, I'm always on five-star hotels, you know, like, mm -hmm. like the adventure of like sleeping in a hostel. I mean, it's so much fun too. You know, when you go to a hostel and you meet so many new people, sometimes now you go to a five-star hotel and you're like more like, it's true. Yeah. It's you know what I mean? As far yeah, I don't I don't really go to five star hotels that much, by the way. But yeah, I mean I noticed that if you're, you know, in a um a hostel or something like that, you're more likely to meet people and have like a maybe in some ways better experience. Uh, I toyed with the idea of being in a hostel myself a little bit, uh, but I think it's kind of uh, entertaining to be in these places that aren't necessarily high luxury. I'm not always in them, by the way. Uh, so yeah, but I'll take I'll take the luxury. It's usually pretty good. So, um, how did you, how did this translate into poker? It sounds like your parents were playing and maybe you learned from them or what is, what happened? No, pretty much it was, no, nothing to do with that. Actually, like I was, I moved to, to France cause there was not like, uh, too much magic the gathering in Argentina. And when I was there, like this, um, this really, I mean, he used to play magic the gathering. He used to play, sorry. Um, poker he doesn't play much anymore i don't know if you heard about him gabriel nasif um he was team poker stars pro at some point he went to america and, and all these guys like uh, eric frolic um uh, william shenson they were like david williams he already started playing poker mm -hmm. so he came back to france and i was at his place and he was like hey look everybody's playing limit hold them because it was the only thing it was back in 2002 uh, he showed me, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. And he started playing, like, he was playing 2-5 on party poker, and he showed it to me, and I was like, he went to sleep, and I say, hey, can I play on your account? And uh, he said, yes, and I lost $850. And I couldn't sleep, bro. I was like, I was, like, crying, shaking. I didn't even have money to my name, like. And the next day he woke up and said, bro, I'm going to pay you. I don't know what happened. And then I was like, I got I to gotta get good at this game. And that was the start. And then we all started playing. All the Magic, all the, magic the Gathering players, they, they started playing poker, like, over there. Because like, we started talking to each other. And, like, there was not much 
money machine, you know, and it was so easy poker back then. So anybody that understood a little bit would make money. Well, it's kind of a funny way to start is start losing $850, but I guess you could smell the money. Is, uh... Yeah, I thought, I swear, I thought like deuce three off was a good hand because I saw somebody make the straight <laughs> and I saw, oh, wow. So I was playing limit hold and ring game and I was playing deuce three off from every position. Uh, that's I don't know why. Uh, that sounds like me and five three of hearts. I think that's a really good hand. The crack to four of a kind. So um, I, don't, I don't. I can't judge, obviously, because yeah, I was like, I saw a couple of guys making straight with that. I'm like, oh well, this this hand makes straight. So like, obviously, I got shredded. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. So that was my start. Um, yeah. So for some years there, we just like started playing. And the, um, the next year on, uh, over there, I went to play, uh, there was the aviation club in France. So they were running some, some tournaments and I started playing online and I, and I went over there and I played, um, I actually won my first no limit tournament I ever played. It was a $500 buy-in and I just went there and I won it. So that was kind of a good start because uh, like Pretty the good. first ever, yeah, I, my second, actually my second poker tournament in my life, I won it. The first one was a limit the night before, and I lost, and then no limit the first one, I won it. For like 24,000 euros, that was huge. Um, oh, wow. So I was like, okay, this is easy. And we started playing magic and poker for like four, four years, I did like playing both, like like being on the pro tour with magic and playing poker like semi-pro or whatever. Uh, it was cool, bro, because we were still playing Magic, and it was like I was living in France. It was super cool. Uh, yeah, you were already a mixed game player, it sounds like, uh, playing Magic and poker. I, I play a lot of mix now. I love it. Oh, you do play mix now? Yeah, I think it's um, it's very entertaining. Like, I get bored of No Limit Hold'em, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty it's I can't just play. I'm more a PLO player, actually. Oh, okay. I didn't uh, realize that. I, I will say yeah. that No Limit Hold'em, when played in tournaments, when, like, uh, you know, the the thing about tournaments in uh, with No Limit is they're always, like, quite shallow stacks, and you don't really have a whole lot of the room to play. You just have to know where the what the math is and all that, and know your players a bit. It can be a bit dry, I will say that. The mixed tournaments are a lot more fun. From my experience, um, also help uh, when you win them. Especially if you win them all, yeah. You play two and, and you win them back to back. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> very fun, right? Of course, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, they're they're more fun when you win about half the time. Uh, I think I've won more than half of my mixed tournaments that I played ever. Uh, the, the the eight game ones, anyways, I should say. Uh, but yeah, they're they're you can mess around a bit more of them too because you know just bet like the minimum. Uh, there's not so yeah. much sure. So I, I do hope that mix becomes more popular for all kinds of reasons. The problem is it's it's quite complicated of a game. Um, but they could like I don't know maybe throw in magic or something. I I read that you won tournaments all through um, South America. Like you you played in uh, or you played a lot of tournaments in South America, in like. Um, I forget the locations, but uh, you had it looked like you had loads of success in the Latin American Poker Tour. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm the biggest winner of Latin American Poker Tour. Oh, yeah, the, the, um, oh really? Yeah. I won three, and the, sec the other guy won two. And I have the most final tables, the most money won, the most tournaments won, everything. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I... I I run really good over there. I mean, on the LAPTs. Was, yeah, yeah uh, I love the LAPT. It was like, it was amazing. There are good locations. South America poker is like more, you know, like if you've been there, you've been in Brazil, like people is more passionate, you know? Really? They're not like, not like the Euro robots, you know, like studying solvers and all day long, you know? Oh, so what do, you, what do you mean more passionate? Do they show more emotion or do they get more? Yeah, they show more, more, more emotion for sure. Like people like screams and like celebrates more and like, like the final tables are like, they're like more wild. 
That's funny. <laughs> Maybe um, I haven't. I've yet to play any tournaments in the South American tour, but maybe there's something there that can be used. Well, I'm thinking some some way that they play could be used to make the tournaments in Europe or wherever a bit more entertaining or interesting to watch. Uh, do you think that could be the case? Um, especially having go gone, I mean, I know you played ones in the US and all that, and you showed up at Triton recently. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, we're thinking about maybe do something big in South America. We were talking to Phil Nagy about it. Uh, let's see if it happens. Because, yeah, it's lacking, you know, it's lacking a bit like more. Um, Party Poker tried. They made the millions. It was it was pretty good. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, they didn't do it anymore. Maybe the pandemic came or something like that. But I remember it was pretty big, though. They did it in Rio de Janeiro. And now the LAPT is back, so yeah. And America's Car Room is doing a lot of tournaments in Punta del Este and stuff. I think he's picking up. Um, I I wish like maybe like someday Triton happens there or like I love. I just love Triton, man. Triton is it's just so good. It's like the best tour, honestly. Like it's it's amazing. I mean, obviously, it's super expensive. I not everybody can afford it, but it's just like, like the the setup, like it's it's it's, it's amazing, you know. Like, so we're thinking about doing something like that, but I think it could be a good idea. Uh, I think so too. Uh, I mean, well, I hope so. I should say, but all for poker expanding and all that. Um, is there any pressure, by the way, since you've got all these number one titles, number one Magic player, uh, at least for a while? I don't know if you're still the number one. No, no, no. Oh. I'm really bad now. I still play a lot, though. <laughs> I'm really bad. I used to be the the, the number one in Argentina, but uh, I was I, I did really good. Like we, but not like I mean I was never like. Not even, I was maybe on the top 32, top 20 in the world at some point, but oh, not, so, okay. not more than that. But what, they were really, really, really good players. Oh, okay, okay. But what about uh, being the top Argentinian uh, pro and the top uh, LA uh, PT pro and top 202, year 2023 uh, pro? Is there any pressure or any, like, uh, does it bug you? I all? mean all glory i don't know because i mean like it's it's complicated that for me like i mean i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be playing like you know like all the hundred case and stuff so i mean like what are my odds of like being actually the the number one at the end of the year like i mean like i mean like the guys that are up there like they're playing 100 case and 50 case with like uh really small fields and like i'm they have a huge advantage if I'm not going to be playing them, you know, like, so, I mean, I, I don't think like I have any chance of being at the end of the year if I'm not going to be playing those tournaments. That's um, but I do, but I do, but I'm going to be playing now EPT Monaco and I'm going to be playing Triton and I'm going to be playing every day at the World Series. So maybe I'm, and I'm very confident now. I mean, about my game, I studied a lot mixed games lately. I put a lot of time, um, so yeah, um, and I'm obviously always like keeping updated on 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 Holden all the time. Um, I haven't worked so much on PLO, but PLO is like the the game I work the most in my life. So I mean, like, like I think maybe maybe I'm I don't know maybe I should put some more time before the World Series anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't feel any pressure because like, I mean, it's very unrealistic for me to like finish at the end of the year, like number one. Right. Right. Uh, if I'm not going to be playing, you know, like the, you know, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like all the, tw all the 50 Ks, all the 100 Ks, all the 25 Ks. No, I think sure. for example, Foxen has like a, a, like a way better chance or Isaac Haxton that being number one at the end of the year or, or Chidwick, you know? It sounds kind of brutal anyway, if, uh, at least from my perspective, to try to be number one tournament player, if that's like a specific goal. What, what Do you have any aspirations in poker? Like, do you have any titles of sorts or um, 
goals specifically that you're aiming for? Yeah, I really, honestly, if you ask me, I want to do, I want to dethrone you, bro. I want to win the 50K this year. <laughs> I'm coming after you, bro. Oh, shit. Uh, I didn't realize, I didn't realize you're coming after me. Well, well, you can try. I think I'm pretty good. Um, we certainly need... No, you are. You definitely are the best. You won two years in a row. <laughs> I did really good on all the tournaments, eight games and 10 games I played this year. I mean, so I feel, I feel very good about my game over there. Okay. Um, we need some competition. So, we need some uh, someone to spice things up. I've never had an Argentinian adversary before, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> but you play Yuri. Yuri's insane. So good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I played him online a, a bit. I, I didn't realize this, but I played him a bit online. He's pretty good. It's a matter yeah. of fact. He's a, he's, a, he's a genius. I love Yuri. It's my favorite. Do you um do you and like the other? Is there like a uh, is it like a South American poker professional scene? Because I, I didn't know. I mean, I kind of knew that there was, uh, you know, a lot that poker was budding there a lot, but I didn't know how many pros there were. I didn't know if it was like kind of like the U.S. where there's tons of pros. Um, I don't know if you guys. Well, it sounds like you know Yuri. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, Yuri did get the best of me lately in in online. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, if you, you have, you heard about like all these Brazilian teams, how many, how many people they have on their like these tables? How many? It's crazy. Like, uh, I think, uh, four bit team, they have 600 players or something like that. 600? Only one, one. Yeah. Only one team. They have 600 horses. Really? Grinding every day. That's kind of crazy. That's, that's very, yeah, for... that's only one team. That's only one team. They have like, they're like a hundred teams in Brazil. Um, it's Whoa. wild. I mean, like, yeah. So like, so many of uh, think about it. Like, okay, so you start like with these guys. That let's say they start playing whatever, like twenty dollars buying RBI or something like average buying. Um, like some of them, they're gonna succeed. Um, some of them, like they go, they go really fast up. And like they're they're become like super good and like they're out there now on the EPTs. You could see now on the EPT the last one in Barcelona. No, it was the last one. I think there were like three or four Brazilians on um, on the final table. Uh, I mean that's pretty impressive. Is there not like some Argentinian teams? Yeah, there are many Argentinians too. Yeah, my brother he plays for one of them. For one of them, he, there is a stable. I might be thinking about coming with like a, my own school too soon, if I have time to do it. Maybe build a stable or a poker school or something. Um, I've been uh, yeah. contemplating something like that myself, although not exactly for the purpose of having a team. But well, some friends of mine have been thinking of that also. Uh, if if that's the case, we can have a team battle. We can have like a, a full thing. Let's do it. Give me like a Captain Nacho and uh, Captain and Captain Jungle's team battle, or I can, we can battle the teams of Brazil. It'll be like uh, uh you know, there'll, there'll be plenty of opportunity to make some fun out of that. Um, yeah, we should, we should, uh, we make them fight like fight one on one, head stops and everything. Let's go. <laughs> it's good though. You, you, we, you, we can do challenges and stuff like. Who is the most money on MTTs? I mean, it's a lot of variance, though, but yeah. yeah, it could be fun. It could, something like that could be possible if um, people play similar amounts is a big thing. But yeah, I'm open for any kinds of fun challenges. Uh, I think it's good for poker. And I do think also that poker growing worldwide uh, is it's realistic. I think, um, I mean, the way you talk about it sounds like it's, it's kind of the dream. I would think for a lot of 20 year olds these days, uh, from back in the day, uh, you know, not many people get to travel the world these days, certainly when they go the conventional route of going to school. Uh, did you ever think about going to school or, or was it always just like, you're going to be a card hustler and, and, uh, <laughs> there's zero percent chance I go back to school, bro. Zero percent. Oh, yeah. I have, a, I have a very big ADD actually. Like, I mean, um, it's crazy. I can't even read a book. 
it's, I don't know what happened to me. Like I used to, I used to read like literally one book a day when I was young, hmm. and oh. I went from like insane. I was like uh, the most avid reader you will ever see. Like I would read like one book a day, like seven books a week. It was insane. Like it was just like I, I, I started studying law. Actually, it was like all day reading. And uh, now I don't know what happened. Like I can't, I can't read more like that five pages, and I just like lose focus all the time, and it's just like give up. I can't read. That's so, yeah. Go ahead. So I can't. At least it's something like with podcasts or something a college with podcasts or something like that. I can't. There's, I really can't. I can't. Read. I'm a bit curious what happened, um, but I, I know, by the way, that you've read a book that I happened to be recommended to me recently. This book by Herman Haas, I think, uh, Siddhartha. Uh, yeah. It was a specific book that was recommended to me. You like, wrote this as was your favorite book, I understand. Yeah. Something like these lines. Who recommended it to you? This dude from India. This like guy that... I like asked him a couple questions and this dude just like uh, apparently a very spiritual guy from Varanasi, this Indian city there. Why? Yeah, it's just an amazing book. You should read it. It's a must read. I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, my friend recommended it to me. I mean, maybe when I was going through something bad or something and it was like, it really helped me. I'm like, I don't know, it's just recommended to people this that we are it's something that everybody has to read actually really yeah i think so yeah what is your favorite book um my favorite book let me think that's a tough one uh one of my favorite spiritual books i could say um i wouldn't like is force versus power that's a spiritual book um and then one that's of a different variety of sorts uh I did start to like the the Hindu epic, the Mahabharata, but it took me a minute though. It's very long. And then I also liked uh, one that I liked that's different. I think I read that one. What's what's the name? The Hindu? Mahabharata. It's a Hindu yeah. epic. I started to oh, like that, but it took it took me a while to like it. I didn't like it at first, to be honest. Um, and then. Uh, there's one book by this guy, Ravi Shankar, that most people are not aware of. Ravi Shankar is kind of like a modern day world teacher um, and appears to be pretty much a perfect person from what I can tell. Like he does, he's got no, I've never seen any indication of any, of any negativity or whatever. But he, um, he's got a book called, uh, uh, let's see, something like To the Sincere Seeker. I, I forgot the name, I have to find it. Um... But it, it doesn't look like much. This book is just, it's very, it's very, uh, it's not very ostentatious, but it's got a lot of interesting ways of looking at things and a lot of stories about the guy's life uh, that are quite enlightening. Just a lot of like, yeah, it's like kind of philosophical and I thought it was interesting and entertaining too. Pretty easy to read. Nice. Yeah, I really wonder. It was pretty cool. So, autobiography of a yogi or something about like he was very good, but it was very complicated too, like uh, super long. Oh, I yeah. didn't read much about like uh, like about Buddhism and stuff, but that one was very good. I remember. It's it's good, but I like don't know how true it is because in that book there's a, a straight up miracle, like not even a subtle miracle every other page right like the first thing that happens is he like predict he like uh voices something into existence and then you know he like some there's just like miracles after miracles in this book like people getting healed out of nowhere and i'm sitting here thinking where where are these things happening like i haven't heard i haven't seen any of this um in your life right <laughs> yeah, well, what the hell I've heard stories of this, by the way. I keep reading about this stuff, and I'm just like thinking, man, where are these miracles? By the way, there's many miracles around this Ravi Shankar guy. Um, many people getting healed and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I haven't exactly seen it for myself, but my friends swear they've seen it. So I'm sitting here thinking, well, 
you know, maybe whatever, but I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, but most people, I remember, what's his face? Um, Steve Jobs gave everyone a copy of that book, by the way, the autobiography. Oh, wow. Yogananda seemed to really like it, but he's also, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, uh, what you're, you've switched from books to podcasts. Is that what's going on? Are you a podcast listener? No, not really. No, but I was just saying it's a way to study. Like I would like, <laughs> that's really a way because mm -hmm. I can't just, I don't know what's, I don't know what happened to me. I swear it's crazy. You see, I lost focus on the final table, and I made a misclick on the PCA final table. So yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was um, I did. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about that. You like? Really... Uh, I don't really care. I mean, like it's fine. Like I'm over it. I mean, everything happens for a reason. I was just telling that yesterday. Like, um, I'm very happy that I signed with America's Car Room now. Um. If I would have win that hand, maybe if I would have win that tournament, maybe I would have poker stars would have offered me a, like a, a contract, you know, like to be a team pro. Mm -hmm. And I'm much rather be close to Phil Nagy and America's car room than being back with poker stars that I don't. Cause like whatever, maybe they offer me more money. Maybe I would have been with them a couple of years. I'm really like life everything everything happens for a reason i have to make that and what i, I mean like what i try to tell people is also like let's say if, okay i had like before before the hand i had 22 millions right mm -hmm. and i lost five millions i went to 17 then i lost some some other hands i went to 12 millions but after that i say i was i was a bit tilted whatever but i then like I talked myself into it, I regained cop, I regained posture, and I was like playing great again. I went from like 12 million to 24 million with the second one having 14 millions, 10 millions and 8 million. I was super cheap leader, like after two, two hours again. And then I took a three outer for like 65% of the chips in play. So, I mean, like, it's, I don't regret anything because it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be, you know, I was cheap leader after and then after the three out, I was like, I was down to twenty blinds. I could never recover. But you know, it's not like if I would have if I would have gone from twenty like busted like after that misclick and would I go to zero? I would have felt so bad. But then I was cheap leader with double the second one again, and I still lost. So it wasn't meant to be, you know. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because it, 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 it's way more, it's way harder in your head, you know, like, let's say you made a misclick. I went from 22 to 12, then I lose, I come forth. You're like, F I really f it up. But if you're like there and I still was cheap leader with double the second again, I still lost. I mean, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. like after, you know, you take the three out or two on top of that as uh, extra salty. Yeah. Uh, is there like a specific reason why you like uh, America's card room more than poker stars and Phil Nagy and these guys? I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I can make more like more, more stuff with them. Like they're like, he's very supportive Phil. Like, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I don't have anything. Poker stars was great. You know, with like the, uh, the Shrine were there, um, and now they're more like a brand, like, you know, like, they don't really care. They don't really, they don't even care about poker, I think, honestly. Yeah, that is the word on the street, is that Poker Stars is not really very supportive of poker as, like, a growing game or anything like that. I mean, no, that was... Just, huh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, they had the best, they had the best thing, the best brand, like everybody loved the world, the software, everything. They sold it and like, they just became um, like a corporation, like whatever, like they just don't, they didn't care. Now they're losing so much share that they started doing, coming back with the EPT, the LAPT and everything. They're trying to make it work. But if you see, honestly, I mean, 
I'm going to tell you one experience. Like, I, I barely, I never play online. But last year, um, I was very depressed because I, like, I had, like, <laughs> all my money in Luna. My, my, like, 95% of my money. I lost it all. Whoa. Uh, that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, I lost, like, uh, eight figures or something like that. Um, yeah, so... I was so I, I went I went so I Musta say to me hey come to play we're gonna play like uh, I'm gonna play scoop and say yeah sure I go so I went to his place I went to play and so it was the day before the you know like the main event of scoop right last year mm-hmm. so I went to play and it was a it was a Saturday I I registered for a 2K and bro and I knew every it was 80 people or 70 people I knew every single nickname. I'm like, what? Am I really playing a 2K tournament? But like, I know the seven. I I barely play online. I barely play, and I knew the 70 person on 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 the list. Well, okay. Like, that doesn't seem like a good sign. You don't want to know everyone that plays in like a. Not- I'm like, I'm never playing here again. Like, bro. I'm like, sure. And then like, whoa. then they, I mean, I played that day. Then the next day, I won. I won the 10K PLO on scoop, so I was happy about it. But um, it was like, I mean, like, really? And even the 10K PLO, it was like, I knew, like, there were 120 people, and then I knew 105. It's like, really? Are you really? Where's the edge? Like, what's, what's my ROI? And then, and like, when I'm playing the, 100, the top 100 players in the world in the 10K or whatever. They also take on on the deposit. They take a cut on the deposit and on the cut on the withdrawal. I mean, at that point, I personally was just thinking, okay, now there's high rake to battle against, and all the pros are playing in the same tournaments. Uh, exactly. I mean, like, do I mean, Dan? I don't know what you play poker for. I play poker to make money, right? I don't care about who has the biggest ball, who wins, like, who makes the sickest play. It's like, oh wow! I was like, bro, I play to to make money, you know. And I I play because I love the game, but I'm not gonna be playing there like a tournament with 80 regs, 80 top regs, the 2K, 80 top regs. I mean, I'm I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm a fish there. Yeah. Uh, well, you gotta make money too. That's part of what. I mean, I agree. It's super important that there should be some kind of bottom line for the pros. I mean, I do really think that. Sometimes the sites squeeze too much for rake uh, and these kinds of things, and they squeeze the pros too much, making it really hard to make money. I'm hoping that what's going on in it sounds like what's going on in South America is like a bit favorable for the the professionals. Um, is that is that accurate? It seems like there's still like quite a wealth of enthusiasm for the game, and there's still lots of uh, I mean, there's just more gambling, I would think. Is that... Is yeah, that... yeah, it's more friendly and it's more recreational, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's what we need. I was thinking, like, I had a really cool idea, maybe, like, I mean, maybe about, maybe we can think about it, but I was thinking, like, what what would be the ideal... I want to do something with, related with blockchain or something. What would be the best idea for maybe for the poker players like let's say like the pros maybe have to pay like a small fee or something but how to give back to the losing players and get those losing players back in the tournament with money from like a as just like let's say like a like a group like let's say we all like let's say you register for the world series and you everybody pays it extra two dollars right mm-hmm. and then that money goes back into get those the losing players back into like the tournament so the tournaments get more juicy i was i thought a lot about that idea i wrote a lot of things like because that's that's how you create like an organic uh way to people like wanting to play more tournaments when they're more juicy even online let's say Let's say you play a tournament online and you're going to get like 200 qualifiers from this, like, let's say from this association or whatever you want to say, call it. 
um, they give away 200 tickets. And so that, that tournament is going to be super juicy. And all the, all the people is going to want to play and it's going to attract more like recreationals, more pros. It has to be a way that we can do something maybe to try to get back. Let's say you haven't won any tournaments or haven't won any, any money, like we give you back some money and we take from the money from the people that won. Like a little bit extra. I mean, I don't know how to, to do it, but it has to be a way. Or imagine just like getting um, them onto Triton or something, you know, like people that never have a chance to play it or like a, or in like a 10Ks or 5Ks. So now you play a 10K with like 20 qualifiers for free. And now the, the 10K becomes like really juicy, you know? Well, so things like that are worth a shot. I think all that can work online, but not live because the expenses for running live tournaments are a little bit higher than, or quite a bit higher actually than online tournaments. But uh, actually someone pitched to me recently an idea that was, uh, that made quite a lot of sense where basically everyone makes money. Um, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but it, it, it did involve something like giving play, uh, money back to the recreational players. Uh, things like this, I think are worth a shot at least to see if they do work, because if they do work, they can pay off very big and you know, the, the potential is quite high. Uh, especially if it's self-sustainable. So ideas like that could be worth a try just to um, just to see if it work. It would work. I mean, I'm certainly a fan of more qualifiers for things like Tritons and like dream tournament situations like the main event. Uh, that's what satellites are for, right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's probably some ideas that are worth uh, thinking about in that domain. I mean, I've started to think about that myself is like maybe there's different ways of like organizing the structure to create more long-term sustainability in the poker economy. But these things could be tried on a small scale. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we got to think about it. I just want to help the community, honestly. So like, I mean, whatever is best for us, it's probably beneficial for everybody, you know, like. Well, those are the situations that are great when, when all the everyone wins somehow. That's the th premise of this, uh, the podcast actually, or the the hope. Is poker still the dream, or do you want to talk about that anymore? Um, I honestly, I mean, I love playing poker. I mean, I'm not gonna this zero percent chance I would like not play. Maybe I just play less, but it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen this year. Actually, I'm gonna play more. But yeah, no, I wanna. Um, we just want to build stuff and like um like do something with like crypto related that i think is the way to go um on um, we did stuff in the past and now we're with we just like you know like crypto was so shredded for like a year now that like we kind of stopped but now we're back on it and we're like we 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 teaming up we just had a call and we like we hired some people and yeah, really cool stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, just honestly, I mean, I invested in a lot of things. Like I have like, I have restaurants, but I don't manage them by my, myself and stuff. Like, so I have many other businesses on the side, but like the things I really interested in is just like to build stuff on crypto and like, just like build, like beyond, beyond that and just play poker, honestly. For now it's like, tries me, I think, Honestly, like uh, the future is, it's going to be all on the blockchain. Uh, now with all this in, uh, artificial intelligence stuff, like uh, you can build like uh, systems to trade and like, uh, like so many things like, you know, like do like some kind of cool stuff with that. So like it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I think it's a way to go now. Oh, I'm sure there's tons of money in it, especially with AI and all of that. Uh, I think it's a little, well, it's risky in the super long run when not security precautions aren't taken into account um, with messing with something extremely intelligent, potentially. But uh, it's very scary. <laughs> it's very scary. I don't know what's going to happen with all that. So is that where your aspirations lie? Crypto, uh, a bit of poker, maybe becoming my Argentinian, Argentinian adversary, taking me down at the 50K and uh, on t uh, uh telling Yuri you're going to have revenge for him. Yeah. 
South American power. We're going to get you this year, bro. All right. South American power. I needed adversaries. Um, I'm running out of adversaries. I've taken enough of them down. I'm like getting kind of bored. So, yeah. Uh, if you do, uh, I would appreciate it. I've not, I've yeah. Face Argentina. Yeah, I, those are my goals, you know. Like, I mean, I mean, I just, I'm very simple, you know. I just love playing poker, traveling, and, you know, I don't, I don't need much more in my life. Working on what I like, and that's it. All right, simple enough. Let's see. What about uh, which poker player do you admire the most? Um, who I admire the most? Um, I really like now that I see him playing a lot. Um, Isaac, Isaac Haxton. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Now, yes. Maybe last year I was a different, maybe I would say Chidwick. But now, I don't know. It's just like, I think poker players is like, you know, like, they're very streaky, you know, like, you know, like some, some years they win everything, you know, like, and next year, you know, like, oh, he doesn't win that much. And like, you think like, oh, he's not the best anymore, but it's like, it's so much variance, like, but like, of course. Yeah. The guys you picked are kind of like the supercomputers of, of the poker world. Chidwick's like, does the exact same thing every hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adrian Mateos, I really like to how he plays. He's lots of customers. But I'm, I'm more interested also in like the players that they play more, the most games. That's what I say, Isaac, because he's very good at PLO too. Um, I mean, obviously, Ivy, I would say, I mean, he's the all-time, my all-time all -time favorite. And now he's he's playing a lot back, and I'm, I think he's like literally the, I mean, obviously right now he hasn't played that much, no limit holding, but I mean, like, he's... I think he's, he was my all-time favorite for the whole time, you know, like... He was mine, too, for a while, also. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I had a really, I had a really nice Ivy story the other day. I was, What's I was walking, walking with him. I was in Triton in Madrid. I went to play only one tournament. I was walking with him and Patrick Antonius, and I was f***ing around with them. I told them, what happened to you guys? I mean, you guys used to win everything. And now look at you guys. You guys don't win anything anymore. What's going on? And Ivy looked at me like, like he looks at me and he goes like, I haven't been winning because I haven't been playing. And he went and win everything that tried on. <laughs> like he looked at me like, I, I'll be back to play now and I win everything back. Relax. Relax, kid. I didn't expect your comment and definitely didn't expect, didn't expect any of that, frankly. <laughs> that was so funny. Well, I appreciate your time, and also, uh, as far as last words go, if there's some kind of solution to making these tournaments more sustainable and uh, better for the VIPs, the recreational players, I'm all for working that out. Uh, I think yeah, we should we should think about it. I wanted to do something. Uh, okay, we can, we can work. All right, I'll see if we can uh, fix poker together. Uh, yeah, why not? I think that's the whole point, no? I mean, it's, if it gets more like more like more recreational as how, how to manage a way to get every back the people in back in the tournaments and it's gonna be like it's gonna be even better for us because it's gonna be more the ROI would be bigger for us too for sure well there has to be something in it for them too as well of course yeah exactly a way to get them yeah for sure all right cool well thank you for your time nacho uh it's been a pleasure also Hope to one day play you at the felt in Argentina or uh, at the final table. The 50k would also be cool. No problem. It was uh, it was very nice.